0: Hello uh, and welcome to episode eight of the Mythlosophy Podcast. Um, I've decided to kind of shake it up a little bit because uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't get a lot of enjoyment out of setting the camera up and pointing at my face and um doing this kind of visual presentation. And the intros aren't. I don't know. There's not there's not much of a visual side to it, especially if it's just in, in a room in London somewhere. So, um, I'm just going to do a kind of audio intro from now on. Um, and I don't know, maybe maybe when I start the cycle trip, um, I might rescind that because there might be some beautiful views and, and, you know, I might might have a different feeling about it. But, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's something I don't get a great deal of enjoyment out of is sitting there and pointing the camera at my face and then three two one and um i feel this gives it a bit more of a yeah i just feel more comfortable um doing this so we're gonna have like a just a a vocal intro from now on um yeah this is episode eight um with a lady called liz um and she has got a campaign um called save british farming um and yeah she started this up because she's pretty worried about um uh, the 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 kind of food security around uh, especially around the no deal brexit um so when i was in somerset i i drove down and um went to her beautiful home and had a chat on a, on her farm um and yeah it was a really you know she's a very very passionate lady and and, and rightly so because it is a, a a topic that i think needs um some light shed on it um so yeah we go and talk about we talk about the food security um we talk about uh meetings with defra, which we can't remember the acronym or the name, but it's the department for the environment for Rural affairs department environment yeah, yeah, that's the one um uh so yeah, it's just a really fascinating chat and um and yeah we yeah, delve into into food security and the history of, of kind of food and, um, yeah, I, I do hope you enjoy um, the chat we have. Um, the bike trip I was going to go on has been slightly suspended, slightly um, pushed back a little bit because, um, yeah, a couple of things that I either lost or couldn't find or um, just haven't worked so I've got to figure a couple of things out but, um, yeah, hopefully that'll be starting... Well, there is no start date because there, there is no rush But um, but, so, yeah... That will be starting soon. We're just about to come back from Iceland, um, seeing a friend out there, Snowy, we did a podcast as well. So that'll be out um, sometime soon. And it's a beautiful country, I think. It's a really, really stunning landscape. If you get a chance, I'd highly recommend to to go out and see it. Um, And yeah, so tomorrow, um, me and a couple of friends are off to France, Switzerland, and Italy. Gonna mix it up, I think, do a bit of walking and eat loads of pizza. And those kind of cultural things so um yeah hopefully be able to you know record something from there and and get videos done um and hopefully we'll be out back in the country thank you corona um yeah i hope you enjoyed the podcast and uh yeah if, if 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 you don't like the format or you like the format or you know any any kind of feedback is it's good so let me know how you feel about this recorded intro um Anyway, I will be quiet, and I will let you get into the conversation. Thank you very much. I gotta
1: speak.
0: Well, Liz, thank you ever so much for your time and agreeing to do it. I appreciate it. That's okay. Good to meet you. Thank week. you for asking me. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. I was. I was. I was just on. Uh, yeah. I think it was a. It was kind of like a. It was a hashtag or a social media thing that I follow, and it was just like local food economy or local. Yeah. You know. Just. Just local economy food network or something, and then I just. I, I just saw this video of these. Of these humongous tractors in, in central London, and I thought I've got to I've, I've got to delve into that and see kind of where it goes and what's happening. And then it, it kind of led me to your page of, of, of like Save British Farming. Um, so yeah, what's what's the campaign about? What what was the, the 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 innovation behind the tractors going down? And yeah,
2: well, it it, it actually started. Uh, we did a campaign last year called Farmers for a People's Vote, actually, where we took. Um, six, We got six stunt sheep um, and took them to London to Whitehall. And we uh, launched a report from Sean Rickard, who is the ex-chief economist of the NFU, which, uh, which was all based around what would happen to farming in no-deal Brexit, which is, um, you know, in a nutshell, that at least half of our British farms would go bust um, because no-deal Brexit um, ensures that we lose our export market. We also lose uh, and are starting to lose subsidies from next year. That is happening uh, for food production. Um, And then coupled with that, going on to WTO means that everybody around the world can import here to Britain. Um, And Production costs and welfare costs and standards are much lower in other countries, so they can produce their food a lot cheaper than us, and they have probably have more space, countries like America and New Zealand. um so British farming would not be able to survive, or a lot of British farms would not be able to survive that in in the long run. So you would see farms go out of business in you know in a huge on a huge scale. New Zealand went through a similar kind of thing a few years ago. Um, and it is used by some of the people that support Brexit to say, well, it was good for New Zealand, it had a good clear out, and, you know, it was good for their farms. Um, But first of all, a lot of New Zealand farmers committed suicide because of the decimation of their um, industry. Oh, really? Um, But also, when they got rid of subsidies and had a clean out as such, um, China was emerging as a market so it's not the same as brexit you know we've got this three these three things happening at the same time which are are, are pretty much unsurvivable for most farms particularly the sort of mid-sized to smaller farms um so so we launched that last year um and we always uh, intended to do more things um and in fact with led by donkeys we did a, a field sign here um it, which went viral everywhere, um, say because the, all of the polling was showing that Britain actually wanted to remain. It was, you know, well over 50% for remain. And then, of course, the election was called and, and then that was that. So um, we always intended to do more and I always intended to do another stunt as such. So it was always in the back of my mind to try and get tractors up to London. Um, and... Uh, a few people kept asking me what's happening, so we decided to do it and we decided to do it quite short uh, quite short notice um and initially we were going to do it on a weekend and then all the black lives matter stuffs happened yeah, right, yeah. so we actually postponed the first one um and thought well let's do it on uh let's do it on a Wednesday when everybody's in parliament and uh, so that's what we did um and In lots of ways, it was good because we know that we got um, Parliament's attention; they saw us. Um, But in other ways, it was—it probably might have had more cut-through on the media had we done it on a weekend, Um, because we had uh, the day we chose happened to be the mini budget, and also the court case with Johnny Depp kind of dominated the the media airwaves. Important news there, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. So, but I was very hearted to see that last week um, some uh, coaches did the same thing. They drove around um, Parliament and and, because it doesn't have to be a people demonstration, does it? You know, and that's what we thought with the pandemic. It was, you know, a safe thing to do. It doesn't have to be disruptive. It doesn't have to be aggressive. It's just kind of getting attention and saying we're here. And um, it was fascinating driving through and seeing all the people watching us as we went through. And uh, and so, yeah, it was a really positive thing to do. And then on top of that, I was contacted by uh, some vegan and animal welfare activists who are normally seen as farmers' adversaries, particularly us, well, you know, because we have animals here. Um, and I'm really excited by the fact that they are now backing British farming yeah, because, you know, to suddenly be offshoring our food production to, to countries uh, where they have terrible a- uh, um, animal welfare standards uh, is none of us want to see that. So it's good to see that it's possible for um, people with opposing views to be able to find common ground and to unite and celebrate what is ultimately British.
0: Yeah, right. Exactly. What are what are the potential dangers? When, when we look at outsourcing our food to other other countries like America or I don't know, yeah, whichever which, which countries are lined up.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, you have to go back in history and see when uh, they repealed the Corn Laws. And uh, this is a controversial subject because I, I am a liberal and a lot of liberals celebrate the repeal of the Corn Laws um, because it, it ended the feudal system. Um, and, and then it meant that... Uh, when, when when was this, the Corn uh, Law? 1846. Okay. I think it was somewhere around there. 18-something. Um, and uh, that ensured that food imports could come in and they were cheaper than British food and a lot of farms went out of business. <laughs> but in those days, um, it was not so easy to import meat or milk. So we still managed, that th- those parts of the farms held, held on. But it meant that um, a lot of people had to go and find work and that happened through industrialization, which caused a revolution. Um, and that's how we ended up with the Midlands becoming industrialized, South Wales and so forth um but fast forward uh you know to two world wars and then you know with the loss of the empire we we had severe food shortages um everybody was rationed and then it came you know there was a campaign by the government dig for britain and everybody had to to start making food in their own back gardens um because the imports were being um well we couldn't get couldn't get the food in because europe was at war um so but we did have the commonwealth and some of the the food did come in to the west of the country into swansea and through that and into cardiff um so if we now apply this modern day corn law repeal which is what brexit is in 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 essence then we are leaving our leaving open or or getting rid of what is seen as a public good which is food security there's always been a public good since the war and that is being eradicated so in effect food is being privatized food production really really? you know in in the same way as it happened with the coal industry in the 1980s we subsidized our coal uh, uh, extraction. We had miners and, you know, there was a, m- a huge industry and it was decided that we should import coal and close our mines. Now, you know, when you look at that, and you look back at that I, and I come from South Wales and I, you know, n- know, uh, uh, know a lot that went on with coal mines um, and how bad it was for people's health. Um, it was devastating. The change was devastating. Um, however, you know, we're not sad or, or, or regretful about getting rid of mining and people dying in the mines and having health issues associated with that. And we are becoming greener and, and energy is becoming greener. Um, so there is, in some ways, that revolution perhaps now was a good thing, um, although it was shocking. Um, but I, I, I think it's a massive mistake to get rid of our food security um, because what um, what will happen to the landscape what will happen particularly and as I said when the corn laws were repealed livestock was still safe whereas with this now you know meat can come from um, South America from the rainforest so there'll be more rainforest cleared and that meat will come over here it's pumped full of hormones and antibiotics Um, it's intensively farmed as you can see here now on this farm, our animals are, have a great life. You know, they they've got plenty of space to roam around and eat grass, and you know they have good life. They they are not reared like that over there. Um, we don't use any hormones, uh, and they only get given antibiotics if they're sick. So um, that's that's a huge change. And once those once these herds go from Britain um first of all where our cattle graze it's not you can't just grow something else on on this land it's only really good enough to graze so it'll turn to scrubland and that's exactly what happened in you know particularly um after the 1930s agricultural depression that large amounts of land ended up turning into scrub and so to get it back to farming standard is is a huge you know it takes huge investment so i i think it's a massive mistake Um, to to let this go Um, and uh, so it's not I think a lot of people have said you know sometimes on social media say to me you're doing this because of self-interest well it's not really it's it's we've diversified a lot on this farm we've got solar energy we grow a lot of crops for energy so actually we are going to be okay my husband is nearing retirement so it's not for us per se it is my main concern is is for the country.
0: Yeah, for the for the for the for the kind of general welfare and 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 literally literally feeding of the nation. I mean, it's it's something like that. Um, something you said before, which which kind of s- struck me a little bit, was this this idea of food is becoming privatized. That's that's quite a uh, yeah, just 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 quite a shocking statement when you when you and when you when you kind of put it in those terms. Uh, and you you kind of realise and see what's happening. It's like actually, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it is. And it's it's quite a yeah. I don't know. It's quite a, you know when when you when you when you think of the, the governments of past years trying to you know literally just just turn everything into you know a private investment and private companies.
2: Yeah, but they call it market-led. Right. So the markets, the mark. They they believe that the market should lead everything, without with with as little regulation as possible. Um, But we know what that ensures. We've seen it with the privatization of our utility companies, the railway companies, Um, you know, all of these things. um, It doesn't always have a great outcome for the individuals. Um, But I think on food, yeah, it is quite... I actually attended a a DEFRA consultation last week and they did... Who
0: are DEFRA? What's the DEFRA? The...
2: um, Department. Department
0: of... God, you've got me now. Economic food something. <laughs> Agriculture? Yeah. You might need <laughs> we'll to cut that up. down. We'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> um they do uh,
2: They, yes, they basically admitted or they conceded that food was no longer a public good. Wow. So they're now saying what public good is, what they're going to do is pay farmers to do environmental projects. Um so at the moment you know you you have incentives financial incentives um but it, you get paid for cult- for cultivated land um and that that system has worked it's been tweaked and it's worked it's not perfect <laughs> but it's worked pretty well um but now it's completely and utterly being you know upended and changed around which um which i think is a, is a huge huge mistake
0: yeah what is What's kind of the next stage in terms of you know you're, you're obviously trying to trying to kind of raise awareness um, around it? What's what's the next stage in in terms of uh, trying to trying to kind of combat this this movement this uh, this, this this outsourcing of our food supply and source?
2: So um, the whole reason uh, the whole rationale for doing this is to the agriculture bill um, has it did have an amendment put on it called the parish amendment which was voted down in Parliament and it's actually currently in the House of Lords as we speak and it will be coming back to the Commons in September and it will have an amendment on it which will um, and I've heard hopefully uh, it's going to be a parish plus plus amendment um, which will hopefully legislate uh, to stop lower quality imports being allowed Um, And that is, for us, that would be a win because we're not saying no to to going global if we have to go global and have imports. But what we're saying is it should be be fair. Whoever imports food to this country should have to come up to our standards. And really, that's what Brexit was all about, I thought, taking back control, not losing control. Um, So we really want to create um, some public awareness around that. We want people to communicate with their mps to say actually i'm not happy about um being force-fed food which is not good enough for british people mm. um and so that um to help th- raise that awareness we're rolling out a poster campaign um and that is starting to happen um beginning of next week um so you'll start to see uh, posters on farm farms and well and hopefully in people's gardens um to say uh, save british food save british farming Um, and then we have got a website and on that website there'll be templates for letters and emails to send to mps Mm. but as we manage to get the government to change their mind on the free school meals with marcus uh, rashford it, it we really want the same kind of pressure to build that people really need to understand why this so so matters and some people say to me, it's okay, I I, I know I can avoid it because I'll just look at the label and I'll buy the packet that's got the red tractor on it. Well, that will all go. We won't all right. be allowed to have food origin uh, labelling. Under WTO, you can't. Um, so you won't know what you're buying. Equally, when you go to a restaurant or a cafe, you don't know what's in that food.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, uh, like especially this 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 kind of COVID period too especially when 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 this kind of COVID thing first came in you know you i i i already kind of knew that the the food system was quite fragile just because i i i I did a bit of okay so this carrot came from such and such okay but if that doesn't and then you know so so you already kind of saw it was on a bit of a fragile uh you know uh foundation but when when it all really kicked in, and you know there was there was talk of like borders closing and you know, all this kind of stuff, it, it, like like then the, the the kind of the kind of lightning bolt in my head was just it just even magnified even more as to like we are literally li- we are literally on a, a kind of time bomb, and and as you said before, one one or one or two harvest failures or crop failures.
2: Well, yeah. that's right. Yeah, if we're relying on the other uh, on other parts of the world to feed us, um, instead of being in an intricate food sharing. Uh, system as we are with the european union um then if say yes yeah, so if there's a climate event in in america in a couple of their states and perhaps in ukraine and their harvests fail, why are they going to feed us they're not going they're not going to sort of say oh well half of you great britain and, and we'll take the other half they're not they're going to be looking after their own people first um and you know it, it's it's hard to imagine being hungry because we've not really been hungry in, in this country within our our generations. Um, but in the world, there is starvation in Zimbabwe, you know, and that was the breadbasket of Africa uh, because of ideology and changes. They are now having food shortages and people are starving. Um, so it's to me. I absolutely can see how dangerous. It, I mean, it makes me feel very uncomfortable. The thought of not uh, of, of people not having food, I, I just can't bear the thought of it. Yeah. So, um, it and what that would you know give rise to, um, yeah. and where do we go? You know, where do we go to get food? Mm. So, I mean, we're okay on the farm here. We, we you know, we'll get we'll always get some food. But for people in cities, yeah, it's it's, it's an unimaginable thought—the panic that would rise from that, as as we saw with the COVID, as it yeah, started yeah. to to be seen. Yeah. Um, So I think it's incredibly arrogant and blasé to just think, oh, we did it with coal, it was great, so let's just do it to our food and our healthcare system because, you know, that will certainly form part of of, of the next process through. Um, To unburden the taxpayer of responsibilities and deregulate everything so we're all just sovereign individuals and we only care about ourselves. I mean, I, I think that goes against everything that we learnt from the last World War, which was to do with working together I'm working as a community um, to overcome issues. Um so I hope that um I hope that we're successful. Um some people say it's too late. I, I don't think it's I I don't I don't believe it's too late until it's actually happened. I'm going to fight on and do what I can. Mm-hmm. Um but it is a complex issue and people just haven't got the time or there's so much going on all of the time that people haven't got the time to really focus in on it. And right even before the vote, I kept saying to people, forget everything else about all of the immigration or any of the issues you don't like about Europe. This is about your food. (laughs) You know, your food really matters. Yeah.
0: Well, it's just it's the it's the it's the kind of basis of of everything, isn't it? The basis of you functioning, of community, of family, of you know, it's it's it, you need it to survive. It's it's kind of this that, that sh- it should be at the forefront of everyone's minds. I, th- I I I I think personally, it
2: should be. But it's it's testament to the fact that it's been so um, successful our food system, is that people have, are so complacent about it.
0: Yeah, and then I think you said you said something before we, we we recorded about about you know you know tethering the ties to your kind of nearest neighbours i mean it just it just it just beggars kind of common sense belief doesn't it really as to, as to why you would do that um
2: well well yes it, it does it does beggar belief and i when you think about something like a country like or uh, like california suddenly deciding i'm gonna they're gonna leave america and then start importing food from halfway across the world i mean it just doesn't make any sense yeah right so it it doesn't make any sense at all um so i think um I, you know i think it it it's it's been it's gone on for so long and people are so tired and it's kind of like well we voted for it so we we you know we just have to have it well you know we do have to have it now it is here but it doesn't have to be exactly as boris johnson and dominic cummings have decided we should have it you know they have restricted they've basically silenced um parliament and uh, and I really think that we it's about time that we did get up and take control ourselves and say hang on a second this isn't what we want
0: yeah um you know you mentioned before you you said before about um about uh the kind of war mentality of of you know you're in it together of sharing of 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 like rationing of you know doing that kind of thing where how and why. Do you think that has has changed and shifted over uh, over the course of, say, you know, eighty years? How 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 have we got into this mindset of being so me, my, I individualistic? Where 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 have we lost that sense of community? Do you think?
2: Well, I I think a lot of it started with the de deindustrialisation period with Thatcher. Um, I certainly identify it. Then um, I had to leave South Wales to find work there wasn't really anything you know all my a lot of my friends got work in germany they all lost because a lot of them worked in the steelworks um all of that closed down so i think that caused um yeah i think that started that that started the beginning of the breakdown of communities Mm -hmm. and people then having to move for work um and then it's just exacerbated from there i guess um and i think people are angry about that and i think they've blamed immigration for for that feeling of of loss of not having that and seeing perhaps towns, I mean even around here, some of the towns here have changed a lot because they've tacked on a lot of housing to start, you know, and, and there's a lot of resentment around them, feeling as if things are crowded because the doctor surgery is full or the school is full. Um, but those those issues are not about immigration per se. They are about people moving around for work. Um and and I suppose with the invention of the mm-hmm cars everybody has a car now everybody's more mobile Um so I think that's made people be able to think right okay I was born here I grew up here but I'm going to go and live you know 200 miles down the road for my job mm. and things have changed and moved um, and I think there is a kind of yearning by some to go back to always knowing everybody and, and being familiar with everything around
0: them yeah, when I when I so I I lived in London for well I I'm kind of am now but you know, you know for a year, I grew up in London and then and then um my 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 ex-partner was um, from Somerset so, and so we kind of migrated down to Froome, or I did anyway. And the the kind of shift in 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 like community and in just your everyday like mm, your everyday kind of Meetings with people, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was something that, that, you know, being in London and being in a city, you, you kind of value your own individualness, you value your pride, because there's so many people there, you just, you just value that kind of, you know, mindset, whereas, you know, coming out here and, and like e- experiencing the kind of value of community and the value of of like communication and talking and and you know sharing it was it was it was it was a, a massive shift that happened in my head um yeah and yeah i think I, th- I, th- I think i think you are right people do strive for it and people do want it but but in a in a in a kind of major city environment it's a, it's 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 hard to come by i think
2: yeah, and I, and I suppose the other thing that's eroded it has been the supermarkets because it used to be pre supermarkets, which you won't remember, but I do. You know, it was the but- local butcher, the local delicatessen, y- your local shop where you get all your, you know, your cupboard stuff, um, and um, milkman would come and deliver your milk, your bakery. Everything was was available in, and it meant talking to somebody and knowing that same person and and all of that really has has been eroded by supermarkets. Yeah. Cuz you just go in one shop and you're out and it's cheaper.
0: Yeah. Maybe that maybe maybe that's the kind of way that if people did want to kind of, you know, hop back to that world, you know, they, they 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 could literally think, "Oh, I want I want a, I want a loaf of bread today. Mm, maybe go to the baker's instead of go to the supermarket." Or you know, you want you want some fish, fishmongers.
2: But it brings you back to the problem around rates, business rates and profitability and you know it's where we are now the internet came through all of the high streets have been eroded by the fact that you can go and look at a computer in a shop and it costs 200 pounds cheaper if you buy it online um and that that translates through into running a small shop selling fruit and verge it's there's just no profit in there mm. um so i think uh you know there's there's been an issue with such high business rates for shops um, and, and that has and then you know that has then fed into this more uh watering away of of uh, it all going into a few hands into the corporations but that's really what even though people voted against that the bizarre thing is brexit is going to lead to more power to the corporations
0: yeah very much so do you think is it is it a, is it a done deal do you think it is do you think it, it, it is happening that way and that's the way it's gonna
2: unless be? the people find their voices and find a way to resist it will it will happen yes as it happened with and i re- i've seen i remember the determination of margaret thatcher to smash the unions and you know to get rid of that uh, that industry um, I I think it's just as strong in the Conservative Party to achieve to achieve that. Yeah, they see it's a way of breaking through the liberal system and and breaking the welfare state, which we've all grown up with. You know, yeah. and yes, we then go go into a kind of American model, I guess, yeah. which is horrendous to me. I mean, I, it's 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 repellent. I don't I don't I am very much uh, a massive supporter of the system it's been hugely successful here yeah. um so i think it's a massive mistake but I, if you're rich if you're super rich and you never use the nhs and you only ever buy premium goods premium food at, the, at at the top level and you perhaps own houses in other parts of the world then i suppose you are going to resent paying tax for uh someone else to have their cancer treatment or for someone else to uh, for their if they all oh, their kids go to private school as well then they're well uh, oh, I, I like my house in britain but i don't like having to pay all that tax um so why should i have to pay all of this so i think you should get rid of it so i and so it is a very selfish kind of um phenomenon mm.
0: And it does. It, it it's it's such a shame because it it, it it when if you if you look at the general population of of Britain, it it does benefit just a, a tiny minority of, you know the, the the sort of population that 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 kind of idea of sort of lower taxation and business rates and all that sort of stuff. It's it's a very, mm. but
2: the people that are going to suffer the most and are the people that voted for it, and yeah. uh, and are still supporting it, because they think. Well, I, they think I don't know what they think, but they think it's going to be better because it's all about Britain. But it isn't. It's it's mostly. I mean, we're seeing it with farming now. Um, there's a big American corporation called Cargill. They're, they've set up a company here called Frontier, which is taking business from Open Fields, um, which is a um, a uh, cooperative so uh warburton's bread has already uh given their contract to frontier now and got rid of oh, really? their contract with open fields oh. so it's coming in creeping in and again within our healthcare system the same thing is happening we've got american firms taking over our, our um, healthcare so i think it's we're part way there we were all, yeah, a lot has been done mm. but it is undoable at this stage so If anyone's listening and you're feeling apathetic, then I would urge you to think again (laughs) and get up there, write, ring your MP, make an appointment, ask difficult questions. But also when you're out in your community, talk to people and get other people because really, they say it only takes 1% of the population to start resisting hard and and it'll bring change. Mm. So, you know, we don't need... And when you look at what's gone on in Hong Kong... And how much it has suddenly they were kettled into that position, and now you know it's too late for, for them to do. It. They're now that's it. It's over. It's curtains. And you think, oh, you know, how can that happen? Could it happen to us? Well, yes, it could, <laughs> unless we actually find some strength to resist it.
0: And you've 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 also kind of seen with 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 the kind of protest and the movements with Black Lives Matter, that all, like like when 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 something does matter. When something is at the forefront of people's minds, things can really take take hold and take change and they can really, you know, become front page news and, you know, it, it, it can be at the forefront of people's conversations. And I think there's something also that needs to happen with, with, with regards to people's, yeah, people's food and people's, you know, the way they eat. Um, it, it it needs to be a uh, kind of...
2: Yeah, well, I I just remember being on social media before the vote and everyone saying, oh, well, they it was blaming the EU for closing the steelworks. Well, it wasn't, it was Margaret Thatcher, but all of these things, you know, oh, the EU did this and they did that. I kept saying to them, look, <laughs> you only need, in life, you only need three things, food, shelter and water. That's it, you know. We don't need anything more than that. Um, and all of those things are threatened. with with this Um, so uh, yeah I think now it's and it's all been so um, it's all been so badly done in you know the interference in the referendum the overspending the way that it's just bounced from one thing to the next it's left people feeling exhausted and confused um, but now really we are absolutely at the cliff edge we are there and you know we need to do what we can to change that
0: very much so um so for people listening to this um if they can take something away from this what is the the kind of main crux and yeah that they can take away that they can talk about and that they can actually do what, what what can people um yeah
2: they well people need to write to their mp and they need to Harass their MP, not just not just one letter to the MP. Start writing to him regularly, emailing him. You know, email him every day. <laughs> they, it's easy enough to do. Um, camp, and
0: camp on their front lawn. Camp <laughs> on their front lawn.
2: Write <laughs> into local newspapers, right. um, and they're desperate for material in local newspapers. So they're always they they generally do print um, uh, residents' letters. Um, and we will be doing another uh, campaign in the autumn. Uh, in september i haven't got the date yet which will be a coordinated regional protest uh, and we would like people to join in with that we're going to call it a harvest festival campaign nice. um, and because for for tractors to get to london it's very difficult
0: I did. I did think that on the way here. I was thinking, my God, that's a long way <laughs> for them to go.
2: Yeah, I mean, the track. That's why we limited it to to a small number. So they were they were sort of fairly local to London, from Kent and oh, so good, forth. Good, good. So what we want to do is is have a regional campaign, probably six to eight locations across the country. So it's easier for people to to join in, and for it all to happen on the same day at the same time. A drive-through is sort of similar thing, driving through the town, and and then uh, culminating in in an area for a rally or you know that kind of thing for some people to do some talking and but uh, that's that's the that's the next thing the next stage that we're planning at the moment after the posters. Okay. So um, so we will be doing more and now that we are on, I mean I th- I think what we face is either no deal or a terrible deal it's that that's it that's that's the reality um so we uh we're going to be going back and looking at sean's report and talking about no deal a lot because that is the you know the biggest risk for us farmers is the no
0: deal right well okay well, in, in your endeavours, um, in your in your time, in your efforts in everything, um, I wish you the best of luck and hopefully this will go, you know, some way to, to spreading the word and, and, and helping you in your in, in our you know, quest to secure our food security and, and save British farming.
2: Brilliant. <laughs> Thanks very much.
0: Thank you very much.
1: I think the Sun's on my side today. I got to lease a life. I feel okay Need to call around get them all out jump in the car and get on the way Cuz there's love and the strength in numbers they can try but they're never gonna run us Because down, down. loud it's like we're gonna come up fifth gear, but they're never gonna race us down around.